The church is what we're going to look at today. Today, about 400,000 Kiwis will go to church. 400,000. The thing is, though, most of them will have never clarified why they're there. Why are you at church? Is it a habit that started when your mum told you you needed to go or your dad or is it just out of habit? I mean, why do you go? Is it tradition? Is it pressure? Are you here because somebody told you you must be here? Is that you? Why are you at church this morning? Was it just a thing to do on a Sunday morning? Whoa, I haven't been drinking. <laughs> if somebody asks you, why are you part of a church family? Why do you participate in church services? Why do you drum? Why do you play the guitar? Why do you sing? What would you tell them? How about somebody ask you tomorrow, Wayne, at work? Are you Gerard? You're cheating because you're at Bible college. <laughs> Let's choose Chris. <laughs> Why? Why do you go to church, Kimberly? Why are you part of a church family? What would you tell them? Once a year, I like to try and bring some focus on this. Because I always tell my kids, and I tell people I know, never do anything without a reason. God is reason. He says, hey, come, let us reason together. And if it's good enough for God to reason, you should reason too. Because when you reason, you're being like God. So, some of you have been at New Hope since we began. That's a fact. Some foundation members are still sitting in this congregation. Some of you are brand new to this church. Now today, and some of you, this is the first time you've ever been here, you're going to get an inside look. An inside look on why we do what we do. But before we do that, I just want to look at a couple of quick verses to set the stage. The first one is on the outline and up, up here. I was going to say upstairs. First Peter 1.3. God, this is God, the creator of the universe, has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. So immediately there's a relation. When you are born again, you become a member of God's family. If you're not born again, you're not a member of God's family. That's the obvious deduction from that verse. Now, the Bible says when you become a believer in Christ, you become a belonger as a member of God's family. So when you were reborn spiritually, and born again means getting a new start, You were born into God's family, and God's family is called the church. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, That family is the church of the living God. Family, church, key words here. The support and the foundation of the truth. Of the truth. So the church, friends, is not an institution, and it is certainly not a social club. The Bible clearly defines the church as a family. We are a family if you're born again. Now the second part of that verse says, the church is the support and the foundation of the truth. So in other words, the church should be a conduit of God's wisdom and truth. 
Those of us who have lived through an earthquake, and I lived through a few with my family in Southern California. And let me tell you, that sucker rolled and rolled and rolled. Very unnerving on the second story, even though it was only two stories. In the middle of the night, there were six in the bed because it was really scary. Now, when an earthquake comes without a good foundation, that structure will absolutely crumble. We saw whole planks of freeways just drop. Tough luck if you're driving across and you're on, that, you're on a, a big sort of skateboard dropping down very quickly. Now, in your life, you are going to have... Young people, listen to me. because Somehow, when we're young, we think we're impenetrable, that we're Superman or Superwoman. You are going to have some earthquakes come into your lives. They're going to shake you to the very core. Relational earthquakes. Let's start with them. People that you love are going to leave you. You're going to lose some of them through death. That hurts. And typically at your age, you haven't experienced that yet, but it will come. Some of you who are older are going to have financial earthquakes. I've lived in the seventh most illustrious economy in the world and see house prices drop by 50% almost overnight. A lot of people got tipped out of bed on that one. They thought they were safe. They weren't. Some of you are going to find physical and health-related earthquakes. You get that phone call from the doctor. You get that lump. You get that pain. And it is going to shake you to your core. Friends, God puts his truth and the church on earth to be the support and the foundation of your life. So the Christian life involves not just believing, but belonging to her family. And a Christian, without a church family, there's a word for that, an orphan. Because God wants us to be part of his family. It says here, you belong in God's household with every other Christian. And there's a big difference between attending a church service and, and belonging to a church family. A church is not a place where you just go along and attend. It's a family to belong to. So, why did God design the church? What did he have in mind? The Bible tells us that he designed his church for, firstly, his glory, and, by the way, our benefit. Predominantly his glory, but, oh, by the way, our benefit. And the church today, I'm going to spend a little time on the five specific benefits that the church will bring into your life the way God designed it. Five specific ways. The first purpose of a church family is this. It helps me to focus on God. To focus on God. Do you find it easy to get distracted? I do. Very easy. Very easy to lose your focus. That's why when God gave the big ten, one of them was on the seventh day. Every seventh day, take some time to refocus. Refocus. Whenever you refocus on God and you express your love to God, you are worshipping God. When you refocus 
and you express that love to God, you are worshipping. Matthew 20 verse 37 says this, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest. That's The first is very important. He says, if you don't get anything else, get this. This is a first importance. Why is it the most important command to love God? It's because this is how God designed you. You were made to love God. You function best and you'll be most complete when you know God and you love him back. I love this quote from one of my colleagues in the States. It's from John Piper. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Powerful quote. He's most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. When you refocus on God, you are worshipping him. When you refocus. And when we do that together as a family, it gives you a better perspective on life. It helps you focus on how loving and how kind and how great God actually is. It gives you a broader perspective on your problems and it helps you focus on what really matters and what is really true. Now, friends, it isn't possible to worship God when your mind is all over the place. But I find it's best when I come to church like I do every Sunday, whether I'm here, whether I'm away on holiday. We often worship at a little Anglican church with not many people there, but they focus on the Word of God. With this power in group worship, I often ask myself, would I rather sing by myself or with a larger group? It's a whole lot better when I sing with all you guys. The Bible says here, magnify, magnify, make great or bigger the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together, together. Notice, magnify the Lord with me. That means there's more people there. Exalt, let us, that's group, us exalt him. His name together, group, plural. Have you ever come to worship service and you didn't feel like coming and afterwards you think, boy, I'm sure as heck glad I came. I have. There are many times when I at least feel like worshipping, when I at least feel like praying or looking into God's word, and that's often when I need it the most. So the first purpose of the church is to help me focus on God. But there's more than that. The second purpose of the church is it helps me face life's problems. Now, most people agree that life can be really challenging. Because in life, we get to deal with just one series of problems after the next, after the next. And as a result of the problems and the challenges that come into our lives, we can get tired, we can get discouraged, we can get fatigued, and we can flat out get drained. But friends, God never meant you to go through life all by yourself. That wasn't the deal. He wants you to have a church family for support. The Bible says that Jesus died for us so that we can live together with him. So encourage each other. See the focus on the bigger family? And give each other strength. Friends, the Christian life is never a solo act. That's clear from the scriptures. The Bible says we draw strength from each other. That's called fellowship. Fellowship. Or another word for that is we have up here, community. That's the second purpose of the church family, worship and fellowship. And if you don't have consistent community with other Christians, 
your heart, just like Josh said right then, is likely to grow colder. Not long ago, my wife met somebody who used to go here a long time ago, and they decided to just move off, and that's their choice. People, you, everybody's free choice. The sad part that weighed my heart down is they're now going nowhere. Nowhere. You need a community of other people to give you the encouragement to help keep you going in the same direction. And this is how the Bible describes the church. This is, this is how it should be. Right here, look at this. You should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy towards each other, loving one another with tender hearts. You cannot do that at a distance. Religion introduces distance. Love reduces that distance. Now it's hard to do that verse, that one right there, if you're not connected to seeing one another regularly. In fact, our family's just been having a discussion about that. I've got four kids, as most of you know. Actually, we've got four kids, the same kids. <laughs> um, but some are, we're talking about the importance of proximity. One of my sons used to live just in Gibraltar Street. And we used to see him at least twice a week, if not three times a week, with his wife. And we'd play cards and we'd have dinner together and stuff. Right now, he's buried in a renovation project in the middle of Onyehanga. Odehu. Odehu, get it right? Odehu. But because he's a little bit further away, we hardly see him as much. And there isn't that sense of connected fellowship, the regular fellowship. But the Bible says the church is an extended family. It says this, Romans 12, In Christ, we who are many form one body, uh, each member belongs to all the others. That's the intention of God for his church. So if you're a follower of Christ, you don't just belong to God. The Bible says you belong to every other Christian. So God says, I want you to help each other. Hard to do if they're miles away. Support each other. Hard to do if you don't see them very often. At New Hope Church, our primary means of helping people feel connected is through the small groups. You won't feel necessarily connected on Sunday mornings. But it's our small groups, because in those small groups, when they meet regularly, week after week, I know what's going on in the ladies' families in our small group, because I see them every week. There are, there are all sorts of different groups that meet in mornings. Some small groups meet in the mornings. Some in the evenings in homes. There's a young mum's play group, midweek groups. So in 2019, as a church, we're going to strongly encourage every person in the church to get connected to a group. So when the heat is on, they've got the support. Someone who knows you. Somebody, maybe that you know, has said to you in the past, well, I don't have time to be in a small group. If you ever have that thought, can I humbly suggest to you, you are too busy. Because it's God's will that you're connected to his family and see people regularly. A group is for your own good. You need close Christian friends who will be there when the crisis of your life. To do life with when you're out of work, when you get that diagnosis, or when you're just going through discouraging times. Here's another quote, which I found very useful. You may want to have a listen to this. Life is not a straight line leading from one blessing to the next and finally to heaven. That's not life. Life is a winding trouble road, switchback after switchback. And the point of biblical stories like Joseph and Job and Esther and Ruth is to help us feel in our bones 
not just in our head, that God is for us in all these strange twists and turns. God is not just showing up after the trouble and cleaning it up. Actually, he's plotting the course and managing the troubles with far-reaching purposes for our good and for the glory of Jesus Christ. So for your own good, join a small group. Or start one with friends. The third purpose of the church is this. Number three, it helps me fortify my faith. Fortify my faith. Fortify means to strengthen, to develop, to reinforce. I mean, you've probably seen on the cereal packets, some of them, fortified with vitamins. Huh? Or milk, fortified with mm, calcium, extra calcium. It means to reinforce something. What the chur- and that's what the church family does. It helps for you to reinforce and clarify your values because the world will try and baptize you with its values, immerse you in them. The church, on the other hand, says, uh-uh, these are God's values, and it'll help you align your priorities and your habits. It will convict you. God's word will, as you go across the other way, of your, uh, as your habits sometimes contravene and go opposite to God's will for your life. It helps you figure out, what am I even here for? Is it just to work? To save and to commute and crazily do a bunch of tasks and then one day retire if I'm lucky and then die? The church helps you to figure out what do I really believe and why do I believe what I believe? The church family helps me to develop character. It helps me to develop conviction and it helps me to develop and maintain integrity. Now, if you don't have a church family, friends, where will you get those kind of things? Because I tell you what, the world doesn't encourage those things. Hebrews 6.1, I love this verse, let us go on and become mature. In our understanding, as strong Christians ought to be. There the thought is, become mature as strong Christians ought to be. As a pastor, I'm often regularly asked, how do I know God's will for my life? How do I know what God wants me to do? Well, one part of God's will I'm absolutely sure of, 100%, is God wants you to grow up in your understanding of Christ and his will for your life. He wants you to mature. He doesn't want you to be a spiritual weakling constantly feeding on the word for today or daily bread. And that's okay when you're a baby. We've had many babies, and we used to have little pureed food. Remember, it's like blended. <laughs> what? And then you just spoon feed a little bit and a little bit and a little. That's fine when you are young as a Christian. But as you grow and mature, it will be terrible if my, my daughter, who's now married and kids, were still spoon feeding her apple puree. That would be ridiculous. And my son-in-law loves steak <laughs> and lots of it. But he's gonna go, he actually has to go and shoot his own steak. And he does, he catches deer and he and it puts it on his back and he brings it back. And we all as a family enjoy that steak because of some man's hard work. <laughs> and God's will for your life is that you may start off as a Christian baby, doing the small things, little bite-sized pieces, but you need to learn to be able to hunt and feed yourself. 
He wants you to be grounded in his word. That means that you know what it means. You know, I met a lady the other day who was 37 years old and she confessed to me, Pastor, I've been a Christian for most of my life, but I didn't know, I'd never read Job before. My concern is, is that people don't, they say they, they, they believe what's in the Bible. My question, have you read what's in the Bible? Have you actually read it? I don't recommend you start from Genesis and go through Revelation. That's something that Gerard and Philip can help you with in Fresh Start if you know how to get ground in the wood. And Kimberly's group, they're studying Daniel at the moment. What I do know is God does not, he wants you to be stable in your Christian faith and not easily thrown by ridiculous doctrines or actually false teaching. One of those is health, wealth and prosperity. That's false teaching. That's a whole subject for a whole other session which I'm going to do this year. How do we grow spiritually? We get, we get to grow by applying God's word. It's not the hearers of God's word that are justified or grow. It's the doers of God's word by applying it. First, though, we have to get into our mind. When you come to church, I highly recommend, if you are serious about discipleship, write things down. If I went to Professor Lawrence's lecture in Japanese at Auckland University and I shut up with no pen, no paper, no nothing, he'd say, what are you doing here? Auditing it? That's just for grins, just for a laugh, hang out with my mates. Because guess what? He's going to examine me to see if I've actually learned something here. See if actually, can I speak Japanese? Can I understand Japanese? Can I comprehend? There's going to be an inspection of what he expects. That's called application. See, the Bible is not given to just inform you, it's given to transform us. So, First, we have to get into our minds. So when you come to church, I would encourage you, if you are a Christian, bring your Bible. That shows a degree of intent. Secondly, take the notes. I don't give those because I like photocopying notes. I want you to eventually be able to use those, fill it in with your own information, and the Lord may bring things to your mind as you're going. Write them down so that you're starting to get traction. and It'll go from your mind to your heart, then out into actions attitudes and most importantly your habits and your character is really just a sum total of all of your habits that's what character is so we live it we become a living bible so if you're really serious about growing in 2019 you're saying that and you're saying this year i want to get growing in god i want to be spiritually stronger spiritually more mature let me give you a couple of suggestions one read the bible on a very regular basis. Read some of it every day. I would recommend that you don't use the these and the vows because that was King James. And that was about 400 years ago. But get into the book, get it into your mind and start feeding yourself and some soul food every day. Secondly, join a small group and make that decision to join one. Because you'll always grow better when you're with others. Thirdly, take advantage of our class structure, 101, 201, 301, and 401, that we have here at New Hope. And then also avail yourself of things like this, the woman's Bible study. Next slide. That's going on right now. Another two weeks, and then there's a break, and then there's another eight weeks. Is it after that now? Is it eight? Another eight weeks after that. This is how you can avail yourself. Join the group of women upstairs in the staff room. And then there's another one going to be coming up later on. This is a really important one. If I had my wish, I'd want everybody to do this next one. It's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Dr. Gordon Fee. 
and Stuart. And Gerard's going to be heading that one up in, in, in the days to come. That'll be on a midweek night at the, at, at here. So I encourage you to take advantage of, this, of these type of opportunities so that you can fortify your faith. Now the fourth purpose of the church is this. It helps me find my ministry. You were not put up on this earth to just take up space, consume resources, and die. That's not God's purpose for your life. God has given you certain gifts and abilities and opportunities in this life. And he expects you to make a contribution with your life to his kingdom. Again, he gave you certain abilities and a background. And he expects you to use those to help other people and to help move his church forward. And any time you use your talents... Or what you do, maybe even as a job, to help somebody else, that's called ministry. And a non-ministering Christian is a contradiction of terms or an oxymoron. You are made for ministry. Made for ministry. So whatever you do, even as a job, what do you do for a job? I used to be, one of my jobs I did, I worked in a multinational company. And we had access to a whole bunch of really expensive equipment, millions and millions of dollars. But I knew Christian organizations that could use the output of some of this. So I used to go to people like John Cooney at Grapevine and say, John, I know you need to, in this case, print 100,000 of these. I can help you. Just give me the paper and I'll do the rest for you. So whatever you do as a job, my question to you is how can you use it to extend the benefit for the kingdom of God? Because one day you're going to stand before the God and he's going to say to you, did, what did you do to strengthen my church with the talents and the gifts and the opportunities that I gave you? To move it forward. Because what you did on earth, for me, I will reward you in heaven. The, basically, we need to take what we've got to move the mission of the church forward. Because before you were even born, God planned a contribution. doesn't matter what that is, but it'll be something. Ephesians 2.10, notice this. We are God's, God's masterpiece. So here's the artist. A masterpiece is a one-off. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago. What he's saying there is you're not an assembly line cookie cutter, the same as everybody else, mass produced without thought. Chomp, 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 chomp. Out the come. Nothing like that. There is nobody else like you. And if you don't be you, there'll be part of a jigsaw, and you know what that looks like. You get to the end, and it's maddening because there's a one piece missing. It doesn't complete the picture. So God wants your life to count for him while you're on earth, and so do many of you. The Bible says here, there are different kinds of service, but together you form the body of Christ. Each one of you, like those jigsaw puzzle pieces, are a necessary part of it. Friends, there is no believer that is unimportant. Each one has a gift to share in order to make the body of Christ function correctly and more effectively. So my point is simply this. As a Christian, you are made for ministry. If you're a believer... 
active and enthusiastic ministry is built into your DNA by God to move his church forward. It's not an optional extra. So the fifth and final purpose of the church is the church helps me to fulfill the life mission that God gave me. This is different from your ministry. God says, I built a church to help you, one, focus on God. Two, to face life's problems. Three, to fortify your faith. Four, to find your ministry. And fifth and finally, to fulfill your mission, which is directly attached to God's mission. It's not something a while over there doing something that's nothing related to God's mission. It's directly attached to God's mission. So he created you for a purpose, and he says, I want you to fulfill it. And the moment you trust Jesus Christ, he activates that mission, your life mission. Here it is here. What is that mission? The most important thing is that I complete my mission. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me and what is that? To tell people the good news about God's grace. Now I've noticed something, friends, that we often feel like a failure unless we're getting a lot out of life. You know, there's a lot of money coming in the door. We get a lot of recognition, having a lot of fun, a lot of success. Now here is one of the great lies of the evil one. Namely, that life is about getting. That this life is all about earning and buying. It's all about having and possessing. Life is about the power and prestige of money. That's a lie of the evil one. Because Jesus said it is not a direct contradiction. That's not what life is for. Paul considered life worth nothing unless he used it for God's work. He says here, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, his representatives, with his values, his attitudes, his plan at the forefront of our mind. We are making his appeal to sinners through us to them. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is key to our mission. So part of your life mission is called the Great Commission. Unfortunately today, it's become the Great Omission. It's telling other people the good news. This is how this works. Somebody told you, and you're supposed to tell somebody else. You're supposed to pass it on. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they believe if they've never heard? There's an onus clearly on us. On you at university. On you at high school. On you at work. Friends, I'll say this. I said this last week one more time. It's not evangelism unless you speak. Some people have been terribly out of shape. That horribly misquoted saying from Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary use words. He never said that. Please, if you think he did, send me the information, send me the facts, because I can show you the facts. Well, he never said that. Even Jesus, 
He did miracles, but he talked about the kingdom of God. He talked about being born again. He used his mouth. If we don't use our mouth, it's not evangelism. It says here, and how can they hear unless somebody tells them? The clear implication there, at school, at work, at home, with your children, with your grandchildren. How can they hear unless somebody tells them? Friends, there is no greater accomplishment than that, than leading somebody to Jesus Christ. You are a believer because somebody cared enough to tell you. Have you cared enough to tell somebody lately? Now, I was just doing this last week. Sometimes they will accept it, and sometimes they will reject it. Last week, this guy rejected it. That's his choice. That's okay. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to give an account for the hope that lies within me with gentleness and respect and demolish arguments that stand against and try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Somebody said something to me this week that said, oh, there's no such, there's no such thing as objective truth. It's all relative. Your truth your truth. My truth my truth. That started a very long and serious debate. wasn't particularly pleasant. But that's okay. If we're ambassadors, we stand up for the king's values and the king's thoughts. Have you cared enough to tell anybody lately the good news about Jesus Christ? And that's this, that all of your sins can be forgiven. And that you can have a home in heaven and you can have a purpose for living right now and power for living it. And they are available if you accept Christ into your life. So God designed his purpose to meet your five deepest needs. Notice how I changed it a little bit. You need a purpose for living. So God gave you the mission of evangelism. You need people to live with. So he gave you membership in his family, a sense of fellowship and community. You need principles to live by to guide you as you make decisions in this life who to marry, what to give your life to. And that's through discipleship, which is another purpose of the church. You need a profession to live out. That's ministry. And you need power to live on. And that comes through worship as we magnify him. All five of those are the benefits of a church family. Where else can you get then in this world? if you don't get involved and join a church family. See that God designed the family for you. And there are many good churches in New Zealand and in East Auckland. You just need to attach yourself to one and stop hopping around. If you can't bring yourself to love new hope, that's okay. Just find one that you can love and you can be committed to. Find a family that say, that's going to be my place. And by the way, there is no such thing as a perfect church, and if you ever find a perfect church, please don't join it, because then it will be no longer any perfect anymore, right? Huh? A New Hope Church is not a perfect family, but it is a healthy one. And we would welcome you to be part of this family. I want you to know that Kimberly and I really consider it a privilege to be part of this church family. Remember, the kingdom of God is going to outlast your career. It's going to outlast your hobbies. It's even going to outlast your family. It's going to outlast any government or anything else. What we're talking about here is moving people 
from here into eternity. Our church's raison d'etre is to bring people to Jesus Christ, to build them up in maturity, to train them for ministry, and send them out to fulfill their life mission in order to bring glory to God. Now, if you know something else more important that will have more impact a thousand years from today, would you let me know? Because I've decided about 30 years ago, I am no longer going to waste my life. I consider it a privilege and a responsibility to serve the Lord's purposes. So how do I join a church family? This is what they did in the book of Acts. Notice this. They were baptized and they joined other believers. They worshipped together regularly at the temple and they met in small groups and homes for communion. There are four key parts to feeling part of a church family. First is to be baptized, to become part of the family of God. Second is join the church, join with the other believers. Sort of like not shacking up together, but actually getting engaged and married. Joining them. Being committed. Then, worship together regularly. That's what they did there. Look. Then it says meeting in small groups and in homes and also in the, in the temple courts. Now, how many of these steps have you taken? May I challenge you in 2019, whatever your next step is, to take it. To move along in your Christian growth. Whatever that is for you. Some of you today need to give your hearts to Christ. Some of you need to recommit your life to Christ because you realize you've slipped. Some of you need to take class 101. And some of you have already done that, but you need to be baptized by immersion under the water, just like Jesus was. You need to take the next step. Some of you need to go into second base, take class 201 and develop the habits for a Christian life. Then on to 301 and get active in ministry. Some of you need to sign up for class 401, discovering my life mission, because you've done the other steps. I want to encourage you today, whatever your next step is for you, commit to do it and take it, and help others then do the same. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us the privilege of being part of your great church in this world. Thank you for allowing us to be part of this local church at this point in history. Father, may we never take it for granted. We know that you died for the church, and that's how important it is to you. Help us never depreciate that, or give your bride its due shake. Help us to love each other in this family as much as you love us, and you love your bride. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.